You're listening to the Child Clergy Podcast with Ogil Mokafo, where we talk about godly parenting in a constantly evolving society. So hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. So today I'll be having a conversation with Tomi Lola. I'm going to give her a minute to introduce herself and then I can tell you why I feel she's the perfect person to have this conversation with. Hi Tomi Lola, thank you for joining us today. Could you please give us um, a brief introduction of yourself? Thank you for having me. My name is Tomilola, commonly known as Miss Tomilola on social media. I am a graduate in psychology and I also have a master's in social work. I'm currently a team manager in a child protection team. One of my passions is about safeguarding children and also the functionality of the family, especially the Christian family in today's society. I'm a practicing Christian and I'm also a youth leader in my local assembly. So that's a bit about me. Thank you. So um, the reason why I felt you were the best person for this conversation is because you've gone through the system, you've gone through the schools here, you were raised here and you still have this passion for God. You still maintain your status as a Christian. And a lot of us that weren't raised here and we're trying to raise our children here, we kind of tend to panic. Either we are afraid of how they will turn out in the end or how the society is going to view them and view us because we are Christians and it's a really progressive society. So we're trying to find a balance to this. That's why I feel you're the perfect person to have this conversation with. (laughs) And you professionally, you work with kids. It's what you do. So you've seen the two sides. So thank you very much. Could you tell us about your experience of being raised as a Christian child or teen in the UK? What did it feel like? Do you have any examples of or events you feel would be useful for this conversation? Could you please tell us what it felt like? So I think actually, let's take it back to the beginning because you mentioned about, you know, parents who were not born in the UK trying to navigate the society and the functionality of this country. And that was very much my parents. So, you know, my parents came to the UK, well, I was born 88. So, you know, I think 87. So, you know, um, even the times back then, it was very different to today's society. And one of the one of the things that I really, truly remember about my teenage years, more so my teenage years, is that there was this push and pull, you know, um, inside the house. It's like this is Nigeria. This this is our customs. This is what we do. This is the way we behave outside. There was a different expectation. There was there was pull factors. So as simple as you know, uh, mum, I want to go out on the weekend with my friends to our local mall, you know, and I would be given very strict times. You know, you can go from like 10 to 2. 10 is very early in the morning, which most people don't necessarily go out and meet their friends at 10 a.m. It's usually maybe 12 or 1 o'clock, you know. So my friendship group at the time really had to kind of navigate my mum's boundaries. And one thing I will say about my mum, which I use as example, especially when I'm working with Nigerian families who are in the social care system. You know, one thing I'll say about my mom is that she, she was balanced. So my dad is Muslim. My mom is Christian. And my mom raised me and my siblings as Christians. And so for my mom, 
she was she was a young mum back then as well. I'm the eldest sibling. So my mum had me okay. at 25. You know, so in terms of her age as well, you know, her understanding was a bit more balanced. So she would kind of negotiate with me. It wasn't mm. always no. Okay. Yeah. Do you understand? It yes. wasn't. Yes. She was still strict. Don't get me wrong. There were still boundaries, but she would negotiate with me because you have to remember that as parents, as adults, you've made a decision to raise your children in a different country that's different to your upbringing. And yes. the more you say no, the more you push them towards what you don't want them to go towards. Wow. You know, okay. one of the examples would be like, my friends would say, oh, come for a sleepover. You know, Nigerians, we don't sleep over other people's houses. No. But I would no, ask no. my mom, <laughs> you know, I would say, mom, you know, I want to go and sleep over at Sarah's house. And she'll say, why? And I'm like, because everyone's doing it kind of thing. And so the compromise when I was in school was if it's their birthday, she would allow it. But okay. before she would allow it, they would have to kind of write her a letter, explain what we were going to do. You know, if we're going to cinema at the local mall, then we're going back to yeah. the house to watch film or whatever, explain. And she would also speak to their parents. So okay. there was a routine. My mum knew all the parents, obviously not deeply, but... Yeah, as the yeah. mother she'd kind of suss them out a bit she would know the home address and I'd have to be back home straight in the morning you know no yeah, if buts yeah. maybes and yeah. so that was kind of how we navigated my secondary school education so in as much as I didn't do everything that my peers did yeah. I don't ever feel like I missed out because there was still a level that I did do and okay. also another thing that I want to say is that you have to be mindful of your child's personality okay. I'm outspoken I ask questions. So to like, so for instance, the difference between my mum and dad is my dad will just say no. And my retort would be why? And to some people it's like, oh, you're being rude, etc. But yes, even as yeah. an adult, you can't just tell me no. You need to give me context. You need to explain in order for me to understand your thinking. Yeah. You know, so you, it's really important that you understand your child's personality. So Again, my mom would explain why maybe she would say no to certain things or what her expectations would be. And so me and my mom had a different type of relationship growing up because I, I feel like she kind of met me in the middle. She, yeah. she understood who I was. She understood yeah. kind of the pressures. And so in all honesty, some of the things that my friends got up to in their early teenage years, even in their late teenage years, was very out there, but I was very yeah. boundaried. Wow, wow, thank you very much. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. So, um, with your group of friends or in school in general, did you ever felt the need to maybe leave your Christian background out of conversations or things you did because you felt other people weren't, weren't going to understand or they were going to treat you differently? Is that really that understanding that, um, kids who are Christians are seen differently, maybe as weird or, I don't know, did you ever feel the need to put yourself in another shell and to try to fit into some situations? I don't feel like I did back then. But again, I do want us to make the distinction between I grew up, my secondary school education was from 99 to 2004. No, even yes. 2006, sorry. So yeah. that time period to where we are today, things have really yeah. changed. So back then... Yeah. Everyone knew I was a Christian. It wasn't even seen as there was any issues really with being a Christian. You know, I remember inviting some of my friends to church and they would come. Oh, wow. And obviously, That's good. yeah, church would be different to them because I'm Pentecostal. So 
I mean, it was re- the yeah. setup was really yeah. different to yeah, the Church know, of England was different. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they weren't Christians, but they would come along sometimes. And even back to that sleepover, my mum allowed some of my friends to sleep over at our house sometimes, which then meant that, you know, Sunday morning, let's go to church. And then from there, you can go home. So I was, everyone knew it was never a secret. And even I remember in secondary school, you know, saying that, you know, I wasn't going to have sex until I got married because of my faith. I remember really enjoying religious education learning about different religions but still being able to assert that i'm a christian you know so it was it was kind of said and it wasn't i didn't ever feel like people looked down on me however i think in today's society where we're moving so much further away from very much yeah it's very much secular yes yes whereas when i grew up in school primary school we were singing hymns we would often go to the church at christmas that's great. Secondary school, same thing. You know, it wasn't a Christian school, but even just wow. the simple things of it was it was normal back then. It was normal to sing certain songs in assembly and you know have local affiliations with the church. Maybe you go and do what do we call it? Like hymn service, Christmas hymns. You yes, go to the yeah. local church and do that. Now, I, d- I don't even know how some schools are doing it now, but I definitely yeah. know that certain songs are not sung in assemblies yeah, anymore. Not, yeah. Yes, they're not. I think it's just the Christian schools that do that now. Yeah. yeah. So things have changed, but I didn't feel like I had to bring on a different persona. And again, Christianity aside, knowing that I was black and Nigerian, I had other boundaries in place because also my secondary school education was in Kent. So I was, okay. there was only okay. four black girls in wow. my year group. So out of like 120 children, only four of us were black. Wow. So you stand out anyway. Yeah, you stand out anyway. I understand that. <laughs> you know, and I didn't really realize it at the time, but upon reflection, you know, I just, in because I went to a grammar school actually as well. Oh, okay. I went to a grammar yeah. school. So there was an entrance test. And so therefore it's like the way you navigated in that school was very different. And I'm, I'm pro grammar schools, but I'm yeah. not necessarily pro a child being the minority in their school, in school. because yeah. I know how it can affect children. It comes with a different sort of pressure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was having a conversation with a mom recently and she was worried that her children's school would feel like she was indoctrinating her kids. Okay. What happened was that as part of extracurricular activities in the school, they brought in this pop music, um, sort of, she's not saying there's anything wrong with that, but she's just saying that, as for her family values, she doesn't want that for her kids because it's not something she exposes them to at home. But mm-hmm. now this is something the school does on a regular and they're coming back with lyrics and words and things she's not comfortable with. Now, she wants to stop them, but she's already scared that um, the school is going to start looking towards her family in a negative light and thinking that she's indoctrinating them sort of. Um, I don't know if you think her fears are valid. What do you think about this? I think the fear is valid because I think there is a lot of pressure on parents, on individuals and on children to accept what can be contradictory to our faith. So that's as a whole. Um, I do think there's a pressure in society today that if you speak out or if you say you don't want something, then you're automatically some sort of phobic. You know, and so I do know there's that there is that pressure at the moment. What I would say is to probably take it back to the foundation. What is it about 
the songs that she doesn't like or that her and her husband don't like as a whole and really narrow it down because for instance if i think about when i was younger i mean maybe from some old old songs like would be played in the house or whatnot but generally secular music wasn't played but i am very into music and i would always play the music that i liked and that could range from r&b to pop music or whatever and there was yeah. always this Friday night show called Top of the Pops. That shows how old I am. <laughs> there was this Friday night show called Top of the Pops that would play, you know, the the chart music, the top 10. And mum used to sit there and watch it with me. You know, she'd become acquainted with the songs, but she was never, how do I explain it? She There wasn't a, this is wrong. She didn't push that on me. And I'm not saying yeah. her way yeah. is right, yeah. but I'm saying that, sometimes you have to pick your battles. And I think if you shield your children too much as well, that is a mm. push factor to push them towards what you don't want. So you have to settle it in your mind and in your spirit as to what it is that you don't like about it. If it's because of specific lyrics, then yeah. you can explain that to the teacher and it doesn't look like you're a radicalist. If That's you come from the perception yeah. of non-Christian music is bad, it's from Satan, it's the, then of course it's you're going to be looked upon as is everything kind of okay here? Whereas yeah. if you <laughs> you know, if, if you figure out what is it exactly that you don't like because I think as Christians we're called to be in the world but know that we're not of the world Yeah, which means right. that we can't hide we can't what isolate is ourselves world. yes because the more you do that, the more what you don't want to happen is going to happen. You're right. We are in the world, but we're not off the world. So we can't like live in a bubble. I get what yes. you mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I think in that case, she was worried about specific lyrics. But you, what you said is very correct. And I'm sure she's going to be listening to this as well. When you grew up, I know that... Um, Sometimes people grow up and just they decide like they don't want the restrictions um, of being a Christian anymore. Maybe they felt their parents forced it on them and they didn't have mm. much of an option. Um, when you grew up, did you ever think like you wanted to experience something different? Or if no, what, what did your parents do differently that made you stick to the faith and keep it as you grew up and you didn't think of um, walking away from that because I know that happens a lot yeah so I, I always say I was raised in the church from as long as I can remember church was always a part of my life yeah. and going to church on Sundays was a regular practice when I got my first job at 16 I remember mum was fine with me getting the job but her thing was you still have to go to church on Sundays so you need to talk to them <laughs> about okay. your hours yeah, and so yeah. it would be agreed that I could start work at like 12. I would do the latter part. So 12 to five on a Sunday, yeah. which meant yeah. I would still go to church and then from church, just get the bus and go to work. Yeah. Um, now my teenage and let's say from about 16 to 23. Now I'm not going to say that my, <laughs> the way I lived my life was necessarily a reflection of Christ at that time. But one yeah. thing that was yeah. very much consistent was that, I knew there was God and I knew who God okay. was. Yeah. There, there's never been a time where I denounced my faith. There was okay. more so a struggle about what do I uphold 
and what do I not uphold? Okay. Yeah. Is it okay yeah. for a Christian to still go to the club? Is it okay for a Christian to drink? You know, it's re- it was more so navigating those aspects of my faith. Yeah. yeah. And at about 23 to 24, that's when I really started to understand my convictions in regards to that. And so some changes were made. But I always knew who God was, even when I went to university at 18, um, you know, and this is the thing as well, when you allow your, you you let your children go to uni and if you've sheltered them too much, (laughs) they will just, Uh, some of them will just go off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, for me... I didn't necessarily go wild because there was still a balance growing up, you know? So yes, yes I'd, I'd yes. started going to parties and whatnot, but you know, um, what a lot of universities do is they do link ups with other universities when it comes to some sorts of parties. Yeah. And I would always call mum and say, okay, mum, we're traveling to another town tonight uh, for this particular party. I'd always keep her in the know. If she called me and said, you know, Holy Spirit said, don't go out tonight. I would abide by that. Wow. You know, that's so there was wow. there was there was a transition period for me in from teenage to adulthood. But one thing is, I knew who God was. I would still attend church on Sundays. Yeah, even at uni, I would find a church. You know, even to the point where some of my friends, when we were like in our early twenties, even if we had gone to a party, the next morning I'd be up and I'd go to church. And they would be annoyed, not because I was going to church, but because then it made their parents talk. Ah, look at Tommy, she's still going to church. You people are sleeping. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was more so that. So there was just a routine. It was like, there's never been a time that I'm like, I'm actually running so far from God. There's been distant times, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, but I know. Yeah. I've, always, I've always known who, who God is and who my God is. And I think that's just because maybe part of it was routine. But also growing up, there's small, small experiences that you have that let you know that there's a God. And that's my ultimate prayer for when I do start having my children, that they will experience God at a young age. So no matter what this world throws at them, no matter what situation they encounter, they will always know in their hearts that there's God. Yeah. And something else you said that stood out, you said what your parents did that helped your mom especially was there was this balance she maintained a balance so when you did leave the house you didn't you didn't stray too far because you didn't feel like you missed out on some things while you were still growing up that's really good so um i want to also talk about school i've been um part of the conversation where you talked about um schools okay first of all when i had my first child i know i've shared this story before I was under this pressure that the only option was to send him to a faith-based school because mm. of, of how, what I wanted him to experience in terms of religion and faith and knowing God. And at that point, I remember it wasn't it wasn't convenient. The school was, apart from being so far away, I didn't think the teacher was a good fit for my son at the time. Yeah. And they were going to just give him three hours. They couldn't extend it to six hours. So it meant I took him to school. I hung around the town center and then I picked him up before going home. It was going to be a lot mm. of work. But I felt like I had to do this because of my faith and because I wanted him to go to a faith-based school. So I wanted to ask, um, do you think that going to a faith-based school plays a significant part in raising children to have strong Christian values, does it really make that much of a difference in your opinion? In my view, I don't think it does because 
schooling in as much as the amount of time they spend in school makes up a significant amount of time of their growth yeah it is one aspect how are you teaching your child their faith inside the home when you have leisure activities when it's the weekends and whatnot what are they being taught what are their activities aside from that okay so in my friendship group no one attended um actually no that's a lie as well okay some people did attend a faith-based school more so like catholic school um, or church of england some of them did but i don't see any difference in who we are today i didn't go to a faith-based school Um, i'm one of four girls and only one of my sisters went to a faith-based school again i can't see any difference i think There's a difference because I, I I did look up this particular issue before today's um, discussion, and okay. there's faith-based schools. For me, are like your Church of England and your Catholic schools, which okay, in yeah, some areas yeah. you'll see around. But there yes. are also other faith-based schools which are maybe independent from the state. Yeah. Now I don't know much about those schools, and okay. but I think that the foundation has to be what is the doctrine that they teach because no matter the school that your children go to you have to know what their principles are and their foundation is because even in as much as a school may say oh i'm a faith-based school are they a faith-based school that allows other faiths to still attend the school Mm, and if they do how does that impact on their curriculum in all honesty, I think the only faith-based schools that I know that will probably truly stick to their, their belief would be the Muslim faith-based schools and the Jewish faith-based schools. And that is because they okay. don't allow anybody else inside. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah, because when they have um, other people from other faiths, you can't really say um, if they're going to be strict on their beliefs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see what you Because mean. the Catholic school my sister went to, no church of england school sorry the church of england school that she went to they had a prayer room and then they also had a meditation room the okay. meditation room could be used for whatever faith you belong to and a lot of mm. the children that went to that school were not practicing christians okay yeah so i think i think we feel comfortable in knowing that but yeah the children go to a faith-based school but beyond the title what happens inside wow okay Wow, I've never thought about this before. Okay. This is definitely something I'm going to be looking into from now. Oh, thank you so much for this. <laughs> no, it's fine. Because <laughs> wow, even myself, when I think about the schools that I would want my children to go to, so I'm a bit biased. I went to a grammar school. So for yeah. me, I would like them to at least go to a grammar school. I also yeah. went to an all-girls all school. So again, I'm biased and I feel like single sex schools are better than mixed schools. Whereas my boyfriend at the moment, you know, his view is no mixed schools are fine. He went to a mixed school, you know, so there's this, you're trying to navigate, well, why do we like what we like? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) For me, I went to a single sex school and um, right now I think my views have changed. I think it's mm-hmm. based on my experience going to the school. So again, it's about why we like what we like. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's for schools in general now, not just faith-based school. How yeah. much difference does a child's school make um, in how they turn out eventually? Because um, right now, 
I know that um I know you've talked about this before. Um for for some people it's just about sending your kids to the school closest to where you live, to the school mm. around. And um we don't really some people don't put in a lot of work in trying to find um a school that suits their child. So how much impact do you think um the decision we make on the schools to send to our kids makes eventually on how they turn out, whether it's a fit-based school or not? It makes a very big difference. I believe it makes a difference because more so about the opportunities available to your child. So at the church I attend, okay. my local assembly, you know, yeah. my pastors sent both of their children to private schools and both of their children attended Cambridge and Oxford. And so okay. they teach us regularly about looking outside of your comfort zone. The same way you yeah. wouldn't just attend a church just because it's on the corner of your road is the same yeah. way you shouldn't just yeah. send your child to the school because it's convenient. Yeah, You have yeah. to look at what you want for your children. So for instance, at the grammar school that I attended, I was afforded certain opportunities in terms of our school trips. Okay. And it's not to say we had lots of money back then, but you know, my parents ensured that I, I still was a part of these trips. So I remember going to Spain for a school trip. We went wow. to France for a school trip. I wow. even went to Russia for a school trip. Really? That's nice. You know, and when it came to GCSEs, I studied 11 GCSEs. If you look at local comprehensive mm. secondary schools, yeah. they're only obliged to offer you at least five. So some children oh, wow. leave school with just five GCSEs. Wow. I left school with 11. Yeah. So it gives you a lot of choices um, in terms of what you want to do in the university. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so even options, the, 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 the subject options available, not all schools offer a very diverse curriculum that can help your child discover their talents. Mm. When I was yeah. in school, so for instance, you had maths, English, science that you had to do. You had to yeah. pick a humanities, but obviously from year seven to about year nine, you have to do all of them. So you do geography, history and religious education. Yeah. You had to do a language. Okay. You know, so when I, when I started secondary school, my class was assigned Russian, which I didn't enjoy, but I still went on the trip. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. When I had the option, I picked up Spanish and I dropped Russian. So I took yeah. Spanish GCSE. You then also had to do performing arts. So you did okay. art, you did drama and you did dance. And I chose oh, to do wow. dance, drama and music for GCSE as well. Then wow. you also had to pick an IT option. So you ever did IT or really? business? Yeah. You know, so I had a very diverse curriculum and I think it really helped me figure out my giftings. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, anyone who goes on my website will see that I like to write, you know, and I believe that that was a seed I was able to cultivate, not only through studying English literature, but also through being creative in school. And my mum allowed me to pick what I wanted to pick. Yeah, she didn't because impose anything on you. No, no. Even when it came to picking university and my degree topic. She, yes, we know Nigerians. We like doctors. We like lawyers. Yes, but, and engineers. <laughs> but none of that interested me. Yeah. None of that interested me. And I did a psychology degree. Yeah. 
which is really good because i know that now nigerian parents still do that they still like yeah. tell you what you can study and what you can't study and what makes sense yeah. and what doesn't make sense based yeah. on the, on the understanding yeah and something you said that stood out was that when it comes to church for a lot of us nigerians we don't just walk into a church because it's in our neighborhood the closest yeah. we don't do that but when it comes to schools we tend to do that so yeah i know what you mean yeah. yeah wow thank you for listening to the first part we've come to the end of the first part of this podcast i want to believe you got so much value and i want to believe that this episode has blessed you and answered some of the burning questions you may have had for some time now we're going to have a second part to this and in that second part we're going to be digging deeper into the conversation around choosing the right schools for our kids I know we've talked about this a bit in this part one. We're going to be going even deeper in the conversation. And we're going also to talk about navigating social services. What do you do when they show up at your door? Or if they show up at your door, how do you get the necessary information that we need? And so much more. You don't want to miss the next episode. See you then. Bye.